You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by 2016 NLC San Francisco fellow Julie Barton is here. Excited to talk about literacy and learning and books and kids and all fun stuff. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's get to it. All right, Julie, I'm glad we get to connect. And I was kind of laughing when we were trying to make this happen earlier that you, you have to map out some of your life based on the San Francisco Giants baseball schedule. Can you tell folks why that is? <laughs> yeah, um, I work in a part of San Francisco called Bayview, and we are very impacted by the Giants when they're playing a home game. I have to uh, figure out my commute and make sure that I can get back home to Oakland across the bay in a decent amount of time, or it just makes more sense to stay and keep working. (laughs) It's a good plan. Well, listen, we won't talk too long about the Giants because this is mostly an LA crowd. Um, But maybe some other other quick things on San Francisco. How long have you been there? I moved back to the Bay Area in 2012 after living abroad for a couple of years. And yeah, it's great to be back and making it home again. And how do you hear about the NLC program? Do you have friends that do it or something else? Yeah, I always love stories like this. I was working for an organization called the Harry Potter Alliance that was founded by a Boston NLC alum named Andrew Slack. And in my role there, went to Netroots Nation and the local NLC chapter had a table there and met somebody and the rest is history. (laughs) Nice. And does anyone ever comment on the Harry Potter Alliance on your resume or LinkedIn? Does that come up often? Oh, it's a great one. It is a great uh, conversation starter right up there with the fact that I was born on leap year. I'd say those are probably the two best ways that I can start conversations with folks. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, listen, let's start a conversation on what you're working on now. Tell us a little bit about your company and what it does. Absolutely. I am development director at a nonprofit called Tandem Partners in Early Learning. And we work for education equity here in the Bay Area, making sure that all children enter school with the skills that they need to succeed. All parents have the confidence that what they're doing is building children's brains, getting them ready for kindergarten. And basically any adult in a child's life uh, has the enthusiasm and support to get them ready for school. And I know you just had a big event a week or two ago, so maybe describe that a little bit and what you guys tend to find resonates the most with people when you're trying to spread the word about what you're doing. Well, that's a great question. We had our annual gala uh, last Thursday night, a 2018 storybook gala. And one of the things that I love that we do a little bit differently than kind of the general nonprofit uh, sit-down chicken dinner is instead of having one large keynote speaker talk at the podium, we have a children's book author or illustrator seated at every table. So it's really an opportunity for people to meet uh, the creators of these books that are doing incredible things for our children. And I think that hidden in there is what resonates most with folks. And it's that feeling of seeing children sharing beautiful, diverse, multi-ethnic books with their families. Uh, We all have great memories of when we were children. I invite your listeners to take a minute and and think about their memories. And, And what did that look like? Was it squirreling books away in the corner of a library? 
Was it sitting on your parents uh, or grandparents' laps sharing a story before you fell asleep at night? And those kind of precious moments are something that we want to make sure that all families have access to. And so one of our biggest uh, parts of our program is access to books. And we do that via book giveaways, but also a school-to-home book rotation program that works out of preschool classrooms called Story Cycles. And that way, kids bring home a bag full of books each and every week, uh, giving them access to up to 100 titles throughout the course of a program year. So I think people really do respond to that idea that every child and every family deserves beautiful, high-quality literature in their lives, children's books, picture books, and uh, the kind of joy that comes with that not to mention, of course, the literacy and learning that then come from that as well. Yeah. And so then do you guys partner with with preschools, Head Start programs, schools themselves, like a K-5 setting? Who are your most frequently used partners? Yep. Yep. Our uh, focus is for kindergarten readiness. So all of our partners are preschool age. We work zero to six. So Head Starts are absolutely a huge preschool option that uh, low-income families have, hopefully in other parts of the country as well. But we're lucky here in the Bay Area that we do provide some of those supports, although, of course, it always needs more funding and more support. Um, And we also work – so Story Cycles is run out of that – we call them uh, kids who are informal care right? They're in a formal care environment. So they are going to school every day. There is a structure to that. We're able to do this program because of that structure. Uh, But over the years, one of the things that we realized is almost by definition, the families that uh, might have the highest need would be those out of the formal care environment. And so those are children who are maybe at friend and family neighborhood care, maybe uh, being taken care of by a local grandmother who's running a daycare out of her home or other other structure. And so that way we um, work with them to make sure that they have access to programming and books, um, again, to make sure that the kids kind of show up in the public school ready to succeed. And, and what ready to succeed looks like is is obviously some things that that I think people would think about off the top of their heads, whether that's letter recognition, number recognition, some of those skills, but it's also softer skills like social emotional skills or self-regulation skills. You know, if you've never been in a formal care environment, you go to kindergarten and you're expected to sit quietly in your chair all day long. That, that's a huge ask for a little six-year-old. And then, unfortunately, the kids who haven't had the practice are the ones who get labeled problems. And you look at, at statistics of you know, kindergarten suspension numbers going up, and, and it's, a, it's a self-regulation thing that every child's able to do. It just takes a little bit of practice and patience. Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, I'm glad you brought up the ways that you're you're tracking some of that readiness, whether it's with with sights and sound recognition or some of the software skills that you mentioned too. Do you guys do any tracking as it relates to family members and some of the skill sets they may have to improve their ability to re- read aloud to students? So it's not just, uh, which is also very important, reading the story, but maybe things like um, 
you know, identifying and talking about the cover of the book or maybe a table of contents of books or asking prompting questions that would deepen comprehension. What kind of ways do you support families to have those skills develop as well? Absolutely. And and shows that you have a uh, background in this to even be asking those kind of uh, very astute questions. But yes, family engagement is what it's all about. And one of the things that we say that hopefully sticks with people is it's not reading to a child. It's sharing a story with a child. And if the parents who come to our workshops take away nothing other than that, uh, that is kind of the the foundation of the engagement that we want them to be having uh, with their kids, which which they're already doing. That's the other thing that's really important is to come at this from a strengths based approach and make sure that that families and parents know you are your child's first teacher and you're already good at it. You know you have the skills and the ability to do this and just keep doing it, do more of this, uh, and trying to do it from a really positive, um, positive angle. And, and one of the ways we do that, so we have a number of different parent workshops that we do, um, and we'll have them in English, we'll have them in Spanish, we'll have them in Chinese, uh, making sure that parents understand that speaking to a child and telling a story and asking them questions and singing songs and telling jokes is language development. So when someone says something very clinical sounding of, oh, what are you doing to support your child's language and literacy development? Singing an alphabet song, that's that's it. That's having fun. And also that it doesn't have to be in English. Uh, we have a workshop that's about bilingualism and the power of having a bilingual child and really, again, trying to lift up this incredible skill that you're blessing your child with by speaking to them in your home language. Uh, You don't have to read the words that are on the page. And frankly, if you can't read the words on the page, that's okay. Uh, Take the pictures, ask the questions, engage in whichever way you're the most able to, and they will absorb that rich linguistic skill from you in that way. Yeah, makes sense. Listen, when we come back, I'll ask some more questions about children's literature and what kind of trends she sees in the future. Thanks for listening to The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, it's so important uh, to have children's literature represent who you are as as a family, as a person. And one of the questions I usually ask folks on the podcast, especially ones that have their own children, is is how they are trying to raise progressive kids. And often the answer includes some type of, of read aloud book experience that would lift up some of the progressive values. Do you see more children's literature books representing those kind of values? Or do you, you want to see even more available in libraries and bookstores? What kind of trends are you seeing as it relates to uh, the progressive values that NLC holds up? Yes and yes. So um, we are living in a wonderful time where these issues are being lifted up higher and higher uh, and that there is more and more beautiful creativity happening all over the country, but especially here in the Bay Area. I think we're, we're particularly lucky to be surrounded by creators so that, for instance, we could have a gala that's featuring 17 local Uh, children's book authors and illustrators doing incredible work. Um, 
I, I definitely see children's literature as a social justice issue. It's something that's very important to me. Yes, first and foremost about the access to books, but also the creation of those books whose stories get told. Um, and also then what are the pictures, what is the story being told to these children uh, out and around the world getting to enjoy these beautiful books. So there's a couple of great movements happening. Uh, one is called We Need Diverse Books. They have a wonderful resource website. If you've got kids, if you're interested in this, that is a fantastic first place to go. Um, another is there's an author named Grace Lynn, and she did a TED Talk on this called The Windows and Mirrors of Children's Books. And actually, that was the theme that we used for our inaugural gala last year. And the, the, the crux of it is that there is power in children's books, both when they are able to be a window and a mirror to the child who is reading them. So for instance, a window would be the opportunity for a child to broaden their experience and read about someone who they might not see in everyday life. And so depending on who the reader is, um, diversity comes through and the importance of diversity comes through by having that showcased and, and having it be a learning opportunity and a chance to build empathy. And then mirror books are exactly as important, which is validating the reader themselves uh, showing them a piece of who they are and a piece of the life that they see every day. And that's really important for self-respect, self-esteem, and all of those other great soft skills that need to happen if you're going to be successful in life. Yeah. And the last thing on this topic, is there a way to support local authors? I'm glad that you have a, an opportunity to celebrate the 17 authors that came to your Fundraiser, but what ways in other parts of the country or in different cities can folks kind of seek out and support authors who may be writing their own children's books? That's a great question. Again, I think uh, We Need Diverse Books has a great clearinghouse website with a number of different lists that are really important. Um, Lee and Lowe Publishers do great work. And so any books that they have coming out are fantastic. And I think just Googling, doing some research, um, thinking about the importance of diversity. There's another uh, movement that's about lifting up. It's called uh, Own Voices. And that is the idea that it is the people who have lived the experience should be the ones telling that story. And so that's another uh, search topic that people can uh, educate themselves on. Got it. And then I'm sure you get asked this question a lot, and I'll give my answer too. But in terms of favorite children's book recommendations, what do you have? I think for me, when I was teaching, and I mostly taught fourth grade, I always loved reading aloud Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Just a really rich vocabulary, a lot of familiar patterns that kids could really appreciate, but that were really, I think, supporting their idea of what authors could do with with words and puns. Uh, but I think read aloud too, I remember two that jump out. One is one called Raising Dragons and the other one was called Click Clack Moo, which was kind of a hot hot take one on politics now that I think about it um, in terms of making sure you're getting paid for your labor. Um, but yeah, those are the, the ones that come to mind. What, which ones do you usually recommend when people ask you what are the best ones to, to read these days? These are great questions. Um, a series of unfortunate events I actually used in my PhD thesis. Oh, nice. So <laughs> have, we, have, we have more to talk about totally. there, I believe. 
Um, for read alouds, there's some great ones. I can't, my, it's not that I can't think of any, it's that everything is crowding into my brain at the moment. Um, there's a local author called Inosanto Nagara, and he did a board book. It's an alphabet book called A is for Activist. So if you haven't heard of it, I think that's the first one that I would have people, uh, then he did a counting book follow-up called Counting on Community. I love it. So those would be the two for, uh, little progressive agitators that I would definitely uh, recommend. Love it. Well, listen, thanks for coming on and thanks for listening to another episode of The Zag. Take those book recommendations seriously and find them on the internets. And of course, you can find all past episodes of The Zag on the internet as well in the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, and in iTunes. Subscribe, download, make sure you catch all the episodes. We'll have a few more coming up later this week and early next week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.